0: Hello everyone, welcome back for a new season of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollack. This year we're talking to the bands performing at the Cold Wave 6 Festival at Metro and Smart Bar in Chicago, September 29th, 30th, and October 1st. Born in 2012, Cold Waves began as a memorial concert for fallen Chicago musician and soundman Jamie Duffy, and is now a global destination celebration of Chicago's relationship with industrial music, and a passionate fundraiser for suicide awareness and prevention causes. Kickoff festivities begin Thursday, September 28th at The Empty Bottle with MC 900-Foot Jesus and Ghost. Friday, September 29th at Metro, The Axe are Stabbing Westward, Cold Cave, Drab Majesty, Acumen Nation, Damon, and Replicant. Later that night at Smart Bar will be The Gothicals and Curse Mackey. Saturday the 30th at Metro, the acts Front 242, Severed Heads, Assemblage 23, Static Bloom, Maleco, and Grunwasser. Downstairs at Smart Bar, the performers are Bombardier and End User. Then Sunday at Metro, the XR are KMFDM, Ogre, Pankow, Sphere, Cyanotic, and Land of the Lost. For more information and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week we're chatting with Friday performer Brant and Nancy Showers. This is Damon. I usually don't go into the band's name because I usually think that that's pretty boring, but I feel like you guys are an exception because you have the the Delta in your name. I'm confused about the pronunciation, how it's supposed to be spelled, if you can't find the Delta thing on your keyboard. It's interesting to search for your stuff on on Google or iTunes. I was just wondering how you guys came up with that and if if you thought about all these technological complications (laughs) that come along with it.
1: We did. I mean, I'm, uh, my day job is in marketing. So I was definitely aware that it would present some challenges as far as search engines and, and even just cataloging. So, uh, we're just jerks basically <laughs> and we do what we want. But yeah, the Delta, um, it's, if you have a Mac, by the way, it's Alt J is how you get, is how you get the Delta symbol. If you're on a PC, you're screwed. There's no, I don't know what, what how to find it. But, um, but yeah, so we, we pronounce, our name Damon, for the most part, I say Eamon sometimes, and we've heard people say it lots of different ways, and pretty much any way is fine with us. But there is significance to it. We didn't just randomly pick it, and um, Brad can get more into the meaning.
2: You know, I think initially when we first started our project, we were kind of entrenched in the witch house scene, as it was still taking off, which is partially why visually we wanted to incorporate a triangle. It's an obvious signifier for that genre itself. It's true. But also, it was a way of clarifying the, the meaning behind the name yeah. to people that were more in the know, I guess. The name has, as Nancy said, we kind of refer to it either as Damon or Amen or any variation of that. Um, and they all have significance. We've also like kind of played around with that name, too, with our first EP being called Amen. as kind of like a, a way of blurring the line between the pronunciation. We also, you know, uh, spell it A-A-I-M-O-N on, like, you know, our Facebook profile and things like that, just because search, you know, URLs don't allow for Unicode or alt characters at all. But uh, initially Google was very anti-alt characters, and that was part of, again, the witch house scene, kind of used Unicode to avoid being searchable. Right. It was a way of creating, you know... A what, cer-
1: like a level of obfuscation. Yeah, that...
2: an underground scene that you had to search for on outside of the internet, kind of. I mean, internet was obviously important to Witch House, but...
1: And initially, like, we we were definitely, like, into that that kind of, like, obfuscation. And we really wanted to remain anonymous as far as, like, not having people know what we look like not having photos out there which rapidly like we it's one of those things you just like evolve and you're like that's not that's not feasible you know you can't play shows and have people not know who you are
2: to that extent our our music became more personal too and it was a more important to us to reach out to the audience
1: and we're just like not and i'm not saying this is like a pat on the back but we're not very good at being pretentious (laughs) Like, I don't know, we're, we're big dorks. And um, I don't know, I don't like, I don't like pretending to be cooler than I am, which is not at all. So, (laughs) so there's that, like, you know, we're not not good at hiding.
0: Tell me more about the witch house genre, because I don't, I've heard that thrown around, but I feel like I don't, I don't know it that well, or I'm not really sure who else falls under that umbrella.
1: Yeah, so I think um, Witch House kind of like was at its peak around like twenty ten, twenty eleven, and the first band I heard called Witch House was Salem. They had a really specific like slowed down style that borrowed a lot of like um, like Southern rap, chopped and screwed kind of like lots of trap beat. So Witch House definitely, I think, around that time was was borrowing a lot of trap sounds. It was a genre that we both I think really thought was new and interesting and. And also, like, Brant and I, we've been together for a really long time, but and we share a lot of similar musical interests, but this was the first one that I think we got into together. You know, like, I I was really into certain genres that Brant wasn't into, and and vice versa, and this was the first one that we were like, oh, this is new, and we both like it.
2: A lot of what was initially happening in, like, the 2010 timeframe was a collection of Of influences so that witch house didn't have it wasn't like 10 bands it all sounded the same it was like each individual band had a completely different definition i think of witch house they all used like like nancy said the kind of trap beat and like the syrup type like druggy slowed down tempo but But
1: aside from that there was a lot of variation variation to it which we
2: really liked um but it was also kind of just without sounding too nerdy it, it had like a really dark side to it that we both really like
1: yeah no totally like
2: to hear um salem specifically is like a more hip-hop influenced um but they had like this very like almost satanic imagery when they yeah. first appeared like i think their mailing address was a penitentiary yeah they were just going for like that
0: really like cracked out
2: underground scene which we, we both thought was super cool
0: did you guys get together and decide to make art together later on was this something from the beginning of your relationship?
1: Yeah, it's I think it's always something that we've wanted to do um, and have done as as far as like just kind of um, like really casual sort of projects, um, mm-hmm. vi- visual art included. We I, I think this was definitely our first like we really need to give music a go together. We were really, really influenced by, you know, like thinking about couples like Chris and Cozy and how that element of partnership add something to to the art you know is yeah. something we definitely aspire to be and and look up to and really respect so this was our baby in that sense
0: does it lead to any sort of uh, arguments if you guys don't agree on something
1: I don't think it's ever happened no nothing, honestly
2: nothing serious we, we've definitely had to talk about our what was our focus like the shows and things
1: um, yeah. but nothing
2: that has ever
0: conflicted the project
1: itself I don't think with, with this project it's ever been like a you know somebody wants to move in one direction and somebody wants to move in another direction
0: I was just thinking something more subtle like you're about to go to bed and somebody says you know you mixed me really low on the vocals
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: that's probably
2: happened yeah <laughs>
1: yeah no that kind of stuff does happen totally totally where it's like oh so why do you sing this percentage of songs okay. <laughs>
2: I mean, we're both really open to hearing the other person's input, and that's kind of what this project specifically was based on, was, like, combining our influences and our um, aesthetics and things like that. So all of the the different ideas that we each have, we bring to the table, and I feel like we're both pretty open-minded about it. Yeah. It's never caused a fight, but it's definitely been, like, something that has come up where we mention something that we don't agree with.
1: We talk a lot about I mean, like every every song, if if you ever like listen to an album, like every song, just know that we've had like, you know, three AM discussions about how it should sound and <laughs> <We> <laughs> how long it should be. And yeah, we're we're both everything. like we overanalyze everything.
0: So you guys are out in San Diego, and I heard I haven't heard a lot of acts come out of there. I think Tristan Schoen from Author and Punisher is, is out there, too. But it seems like a lot of the bands are up closer to L.A. Do you, do you have trouble finding other like-minded people out there?
1: We do. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I, I never want to, like, talk bad about San Diego because... I love it we love living here and we have really good friends here um and we have good friends who are musicians here but i think as far as just like prospering as a as artists of any kind in san diego it's really tough um and we do find ourselves in la a lot going to shows playing shows you know hanging out with people and you know and la it's it's only two to three hours away so it works out
2: yeah san diego Tends to have a, a little bit more of just a laid back attitude as, a, as opposed to LA, which is definitely a lot more busy um, and competitive even. It's harder to actually uh, create like a scene, I think, it just is, is more of an uphill battle.
0: Moving on to Cold Waves, you guys played a couple years ago at Cold Waves 3. Tell me about the experience you had playing that year and, and how it feels to come back and, and do it again.
1: It was so incredible. It was, I mean, the absolute biggest show, the biggest venue that we've ever played. And it was surreal. I mean, it was terrifying and just so amazing to meet that many people. Mm-hmm. The bands, the the people who put it together. Yeah, it was such a rad experience. And I I am just so thrilled that, that we were asked back to uh, do it again. Yeah.
2: I mean, we've, we've ended up now playing quite a few festivals, but none have really had the same kind of family feel. It's like being welcomed home.
1: Definitely. If, if
2: there's just, I mean, we're still in touch with everybody that we met. We'll just get messages out of the blue from people that we, especially people that we really admire that I, I know, like for a fact, I grew up. Listening to a ton of those artists,
1: and also just to play the metro, I mean we're yeah. we're both from Madison, Wisconsin. Grant's from right outside Madison. And like we used to drive down to the metro as teenagers to see shows all the time. and just I don't know to be on that stage is was really uh, amazing for us.
2: We're actually yeah planning to be there for the whole the whole weekend. Um, hopefully just to catch up with everyone and and see as many of the performers as we can.
1: When we saw the lineup, we screamed, like actually <laughs> screamed. <laughs> I mean, it's really insane. I mean, this year and when we played before, there's been bands that have really influenced us and um, Ogre's especially important to us. It's like, um, <laughs> yeah, One Wild the- and Sunny Syop were both the, like, you know, two two of the albums that we listened to together a lot when we first started dating. So it's it has a special place in our hearts
0: it looks like you guys haven't put anything out since 2013. Are you working on anything right
2: now? We are working on a new album and we're actually really, really excited about it. I think it's our, our best work that we're, I don't know. We'll see, <laughs> I'm, I, I love everything that's new that we do. So <laughs> yeah, Um,
1: it'll be fun to play some new songs during cold waves too.
2: Yeah. So ideally we'll have something that we'll put out just so that people can hear it soon before we can announce for like a official release date or anything. Just kind of let it happen instead of forcing it with this project. It's sort of more important to get it right um, rather than to like get something out there. But we are playing shows again, which is the first after a couple of years. It's been quite a significant amount of time since we had played shows.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
2: now we've done a couple again. It's good to just be working to get together again.
1: And it's so it's so fun. I'd say like the our songwriting process is really different than playing shows. I mean, I'm sure it is for most artists, but um, we have our live drummer Mark with us when we play live, and it just adds a totally different energy and and feel to the music. So that's it's really exciting for us to do both.
0: On this episode, you heard Seraphim, Eshu and Black Cross. Damon can be found at Amon.com spelled A-A-I-M-O-N. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Acumenation. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Join us next week as we chat with Garrett Vernon, Justin DeLay, and Jordan DeLay from Replicant. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Raiders, fallen Chicago musician, and sound man Jamie Duffy. Here's Jason from Nation remembering Jamie's role in the band.
3: Jamie was, for us, and I think I relied on it over the years, was, was part of the activation of our identity. You know, the way he dressed, the way he looked. I, I would honestly say that I loved the music of the late 80s industrial wax track scene even into the early 90s, but it wasn't how I dressed, it wasn't how I defined myself, and it wasn't how I felt. I didn't think that Blade Runner should be made into, like, the way we live our lives, you know? I just didn't care about that. And when Jamie showed up, he was like, I'm one of these people that you belong, like, this industrial crowd. This is my world. And he represented us in his attitude, in his clothing, in his... uh, Aesthetic. Every time I'd throw on a pair of Converse, wouldn't wear a black shirt, I felt confident that Jamie would represent us in the right way. And thank God we had Jamie on stage because we fit in with this group. You know, every time that we wanted to do something different, I I took Jamie for granted that he would be our star in the Rivet Head scene, that he would forever wear those new rocks and that black t shirt and have his hair spiked up. And if I was dressed like a freaking drag queen on stage, which Actually we did in Phoenix. He would always maintain our relationship with the Rivet Head culture.